Section 30 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tatiana Cicilla. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Ségur. Ceremonies of the Mass. The Mass is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord, offered not upon Calvary with the shedding of his precious blood, but by the ministry of his priests under the appearances of bread and wine. The sacrifice of the Mass and that of the cross are not two sacrifices, but one and the same sacrifice, of which the victim is the same, and which the Son of God offers to his Father with the same intentions. Only the outward appearances are different, so that between the sacrifice of Calvary and that of the altar there is no essential difference. The ceremonies of the Mass are acts of religion, and certain mysterious signs which the Church employs in the celebration of this adorable sacrifice to add to its solemnity and to increase the fervor of the faithful. The Mass consists of three principal parts. 1. The preparation for the sacrifice. 2. The sacrifice properly so called. 3. The communion and acts of thanksgiving. The preparation begins with the sign of the cross, which the priest makes on himself when reaching the altar at the foot of the steps, and it lasts until the consecration. The sacrifice properly so called consists in the consecration of the bread and wine into the sacred body and most precious blood of our Lord. The third part includes the thanksgiving and prayers after the consecration until the last gospel. The preparation for the sacrifice may be again divided into four distinct parts. One, the prayers which the priest and the acolyte, who answers the name of the congregation, recite at the foot of the altar, and at the altar itself until the epistle. Two, the instructions and profession of faith contained in the epistle, the gospel, and the creed. 3. The oblation and sanctification of the bread and wine intended to be consecrated. 4. Lastly, the solemn invocation and the secret prayers of the canon, which immediately precede the consecration of the Holy Eucharist. The priest and the acolyte commence by making the sign of the cross, thus showing that the action which they are about to perform is no other than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Both kneeling or bowing down represent by this attitude of humility the reverence due to the majesty of God and the humiliations of Jesus in the sacred mysteries of the Incarnation, the Redemption, and the Holy Eucharist. During these prayers, and especially during the Confitior, both the priest and the faithful should excite in themselves a deep contrition for their sins, which have been the true cause of the sufferings and passion of their Savior. They should recall his sorrowful prayer in the Garden of Olives, when, prostrate on the ground, he asked pardon for sinners and offered himself to his father as the universal victim of expiation. It is with such memories as these, and in union with Jesus, suffering and dying, that we should humiliate ourselves at the beginning of the Mass. The priest goes up the steps to the altar as Jesus Christ, whom he represents, the mediator between God and man. He commences by kissing the altar, asking God, through the merits of the saints whose relics rest beneath it, to grant to all the pardon of their sins. The priest kisses the altar seven times during the Mass, and turns to the faithful seven times with the holy greeting, Dominus Vobiscum, the Lord be with you. This mysterious number expresses the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, of which Jesus Christ is the only source, and which he communicates to the world by the merits of his sacrifice, and applies by the ministry of his priests. Having gone up to the altar, the priest now goes to the left side, to the right of the spectator it is true, but to the left of the crucifix and tabernacle, the principal objects in the church. A deep meaning is hidden beneath these different stations of the priest, whether in the middle of the altar, at the left, or at the right side. The left side represents the ancient alliance of the patriarchs, the prophets, and the law of Moses, from the creation of the world to the coming of the Savior. The right side, the most worthy and the most noble, represents the law of grace and the new dispensation, from the coming of Jesus Christ to the conversion of the Jews, 
which shall take place in the last ages of the world. During the greater part of the Mass, the priest, the living symbol of Jesus Christ, stands in the middle of the altar, and thus expresses that the Son of God made man is the center at which the old and the new dispensations unite. The first prayer which he recites is called the introit, namely commencement. In this, the Church expresses in a general way the object of the feasts which are celebrated during the course of the year. Then he returns to the middle of the altar and recites the Kyrie eleison, which is composed of three invocations to each of the adorable persons of the Blessed Trinity. Eleison is a Greek word signifying have mercy. Then comes the Gloria in Excelsis, a hymn of joy and triumph which is only recited on feast days and times of rejoicing. The first words of this magnificent hymn were spoken by the angels of heaven on the birth of the Savior. The rest, composed 1,500 years ago by the great French bishop, St. Hilary of Poitiers, was the development of the glorious exordium. In reciting it, we should unite ourselves both to the celebrant and to the angels who assist invisibly at the altar, and thus render to God the glory which is due to him. The priest then turns to the people with the Dominus Vobiscum, having first kissed the altar in order to express that he is about to draw from the very bosom of God the benedictions which it is his mission to shed over the earth. He next recites the prayer called the Collect, namely, Union, because it is made in the name of all the faithful, and contains the substance of all petitions. The Church always concludes it by the invocation of the name of Jesus Christ, to make us feel that we have access to God only through him who reconciled the world. At the beginning of these public prayers, the priest says aloud, Oremus, let us pray, as to excite the faithful to greater fervor. During this time he keeps his hands extended, according to an ancient custom in the primitive church instituted by the apostles to recall, without doubt, Jesus Christ crucified. Here terminate those prayers in the preparation which are the most distant from the sacrifice of the Mass. They are followed by the reading of the Epistle and Gospel, and by the recitation of the Creed, of which we shall speak in the next chapter. From the Epistle to the Canon Epistle means letter, and the first portion of the sacred scriptures read in the Mass is so called because it is usually taken from the inspired letters of the Apostles. Sometimes it is taken from the books of the Prophets of the Old Testament. When it is ended, the priest moves to the right side of the altar, expressing by this that the blessing of God has been withdrawn from the Jewish people, because they have lost the faith by rejecting Jesus Christ, and has been transferred to the Christian nations who have believed in this divine Savior. All rise when the priest begins to read the gospel and make the sign of the cross upon the forehead, the lips, and the heart. The gospel is an abridged history of the principal actions and the most important teaching of our Lord. We must listen to the divine words standing to express that we are ready to follow our adorable master, to serve him and to fight for him. We sign our foreheads as a witness that we are never ashamed of the holy name we bear, our lips because they must be holy to pronounce the words of the gospel, our hearts to drive away the devil and to prepare them to receive the word of life and bring forth abundant fruit. The gospel being ended, the priest kisses the book as a mark of reverence and returns to the middle of the altar. There he recites aloud the Credo, or abridged formula of the Christian faith, composed by the Apostles, and developed by the bishops at the First General Council, held at Nice 1,500 years ago. We stand also during the Creed to manifest clearly our undoubting faith, and our firm resolve that our daily lives shall wholly accord with this, our outward and solemn profession. Nevertheless, from a feeling which may be easily understood, both the priest and the faithful kneel humbly and reverently down when saying that the Eternal Son of God, was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man for our salvation. At the end of the Creed, all make the sign of the cross, because it is the visible sign of the faith we have just outwardly professed. Thus end the first two parts of the preparation for the Mass, which may be called the supplications and instructions. Then follows the oblation, or offering of the bread and wine, which shall be changed by consecration into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. 
Our Lord himself, when instituting the Holy Eucharist, showed his apostles the manner in which they were to offer the divine sacrifice, and the church has never departed from this sacred rule. The priest therefore takes the bread, or host, upon the paten, a kind of little gilt plate which always accompanies the chalice, and having lifted his eyes to heaven to call down a benediction, he elevates the host and presents it to the blessed trinity, then places it on the corporal, making with the paten the sign of the cross. He next goes to the epistle side of the altar, where the server presents to him successively the cruet of wine and that of water, having first kissed them reverently on account of the consecration which is to follow. The priest, having blessed the water, mingles one or two drops with the wine of the chalice. The wine by its strength represents the divinity of our Savior, and the drop of water represents his humanity and ours, sanctified by union with the divinity. Returning to the middle of the altar, the priest elevates and offers the chalice, just as he elevated and offered the host. Then, lifting his eyes and hands to heaven, he invokes the Holy Spirit, that, by his divine fire, the sacrifice and adorable mysteries of the Incarnation and Redemption may now be accomplished on the altar. The washing of hands, which follows these beautiful ceremonies, is a symbol of the perfect purity of heart with which the priest must approach the mysteries of the body and blood of our Lord. Turning to the congregation for the last time, he invites them, with the orate for tres, to join their praise to him, and after some secret prayers commences the magnificent invocation used from the earliest ages of Christianity, and called the preface, from a Latin word prefaci, which means prayers recited before the consecration. The preface being completed by the triple invocation, Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabbath, read, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabbath, the acolyte rings the bell to warn the congregation to kneel down, if not already doing so, and to recollect themselves more profoundly now that the moment of the consecration is drawing near. The sublime prayers which the priest recites in secret before and after the consecration are called the canon of the Mass. The word canon is derived from the Greek and signifies rule. These prayers are so called because they are invariably the same throughout the Latin Church, while some modifications have been introduced into the less solemn prayers of the sacrifice. One part of the canon of the Mass was prescribed by the Apostle St. Peter himself, and when the sovereign pontiffs, his successors, judged it right to add some words, these additions were regarded as such an important fact that it was noted in the history of the Church, so great was the veneration for the ancient formulas. Since the 6th century, not one word has been altered in the canon of the Mass, just as it is said today. It is from a feeling of reverence that it is secretly recited. For many centuries, the exact words were known only to the ministers of the sanctuary, and the faithful did but join their intention to these prayers. The translation into the vulgar tongue has been many times forbidden. Recollection of mind and heart is preferable at such a moment to all the prayers which can be read or recited. From the canon to the end. The consecration alone is, properly speaking, the sacrifice of the Holy Eucharist. When the priest, prepared and sanctified by the rites we have now explained, reaches the solemn moment, he takes the host into his consecrated hands, and identifying himself most completely with Jesus Christ, the sovereign priest and sovereign victim of the sacrifice, he accomplishes the actions and pronounces the words which the Son of God was the first to accomplish and pronounce at the Last Supper, when he instituted the Holy Eucharist. Thus it is no longer the man who speaks, but Jesus himself by the lips of his priest. At his divine word, who called forth all creation out of nothing, the bread is changed into his adorable body, and the wine into his precious blood. And on the altar there remains only the appearance, or species, of bread and wine, veiling from our sight Jesus Christ himself, living and truly present with his sacred divinity and his holy humanity in the blessed sacrament of the altar. Standing now before his God, whom he holds within his hands, the priest kneels down and adores, then elevates the sacred host for the adoration of the faithful. The bell is rung three times at the elevation of the host, 
and again three times at the elevation of the chalice. Jesus Christ remains thus upon the altar until the communion. We must therefore kneel down with deep devotion in the presence of our God during this time at least, and, penetrated with his infinite mercy, worship him with heartfelt acts of faith, adoration, contrition, and love. And thanking him for his inestimable benefits, we should profit by these precious moments to ask our blessed Savior for everything we need, both for soul and body, for time and for eternity. If some hear Mass with coldness and indifference, it is because they are wanting both in faith and love. The solemn silence which envelopes the consecration from the Sanctus to the Pater is only interrupted by the touching words of humility which the priest pronounces half aloud, striking his breast, Nobis coque peccatoribus, to us sinners, etc., and the secret prayer of the canon terminates soon after with the great remembrance of eternity, per omnia saecula saeculorum, for ever and ever, amen. During the canon of the Mass, the priest makes the sign of the cross many times over the host and chalice, and the deep meaning thus expressed recalls the whole economy of God's dealings with the human race. When he makes the sign of the cross three times in succession over the Holy Eucharist, he represents the three phases of the great victory of Christ over Satan, the usurper of his empire, and the prince of evil. The first, which ended with a deluge, the second, which ended with the shedding of the precious blood on Calvary, and the third, which shall end by fire at the defeat of the Antichrist, when fallen humanity, forever purified by the Holy Ghost, the sanctifier, shall attain its final beatitude. When the priest makes two signs of the cross in succession over the host and over the chalice, he recalls the two comings of our Lord Jesus Christ, the first represented by the sacred host, the second by the holy chalice. And even as the two consecrated species are only one and the same Eucharist, one and the same Jesus, one and the same mystery, so also the two comings of the Son of God, though separate and distinct from each other, are only one and the same mystery, the mystery of Jesus Christ, and of his divine grace, and of the holy church of God. After the secret prayers of the canon, the priest recites aloud the Pater Noster, that sublime prayer which was bequeathed to his own church by her divine Lord, now present on the altar. The priest then breaks the consecrated host into two particles, thus imitating Jesus Christ, who broke the sacred bread before he distributed it to his disciples at the Last Supper. This ceremony also recalls, in a mystical way, the separation of the soul and body of the Savior in the sacrifice of Calvary. Then he invokes three times, under the touching title of Lamb of God, the divine eternal victim of sins of the whole world. He who, though reigning forever omnipotent in the highest heaven, still annihilates himself for us day after day in the sacred mystery of the Holy Eucharist. The time of the priest's communion now draws near, and he is about to receive within his heart, and to unite his whole being to his Creator and his Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And taking in one hand the living bread come down from heaven, he strikes his breast three times, acknowledges his deep unworthiness, and says, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof, but say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Then he communicates, and remaining for an instant wholly penetrated by the sacred presence of the God of love, whose living tabernacle he has now become, he takes the chalice, makes upon himself the sign of the cross, and communicates under the second species. If any of the faithful present themselves at the altar, the servers repeat the confitior aloud, during which each one should excite himself to repentance. The communicants, then kneeling reverently at the altar rail, hold the cloth upon their extended hands to receive the sacred host, if by any misfortune it should fall. The priest, while placing the blessed sacrament upon the tongue, says, May the body of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve thy soul to life everlasting. Amen. After having communicated, the priest receives the ablutions, and the server pours wine and water over his fingers, which have touched the blessed sacrament. Then he wipes the chalice and covers it over, folds the corporal, and puts everything in its place. During this, the server removes the missile from the right side to the left, 
a symbol of the future conversion of the Jews, God's ancient people, who are also destined, before the end of the world, to participate in the light of the gospel. And just as the return of the Jews will take place, according to the ancient prophecies, a little time before the end of the world, so this simple ceremony, by which it is prefigured, takes place a little before the end of the Mass. The priest then turns to the congregation for the last time, dismisses them, and blesses them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, by making over them the sign of eternal salvation. And at this moment he is truly a striking image of Jesus Christ at his last coming, when he shall complete the work of his church by his supreme benediction. Come, ye blessed of my Father, possess ye the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Formerly, the Mass ended with this benediction, after which the priest left the altar, reciting the first verses of the Gospel according to St. John, but the custom has now prevailed of reading this Gospel at the altar itself. We trust that the little that has been said may increase your reverence for divine things and help you to assist with more devotion at the adorable sacrifice of the Mass. End of section 30.